0: Good morning, Mission Hill. No S. Is that correct? All right. It's good to be here today. I love your pastor. Before I ever moved to Tampa, I loved your pastor. I met him many years ago, and uh, he's been a blessing to me. So there's a little tradition we do in the military, and I'd like to just honor your pastor if you don't mind. Uh, um, my last assignment, I was the command chaplain of the United States Special Operations Command at MacDill. And, uh, and um, this was my coin. It says United States Special Operations Command. It says presented by the SOCOM chaplain for awesomeness. Senior chaplains w- or senior officers give these things out for people who do great jobs. And it says this one's presented for awesomeness. I don't give this one out, Stanley, for mediocrity. I don't be- give this one out for uh, outstandingness. I give this one out only for awesomeness. So let's have a little vote here. Is your pastor awesome? Woo! Come up here, preacher. There you go, my brother. I love you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. I think we got a little taste of heaven today. Amen? Amen. One thing I appreciated about the military chaplaincy and about about being in the military, is when the chapel came together around the world, I found out from a kid who grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, that the body of Christ was a lot bigger and a lot more diverse and a lot different than I grew up. Amen? Amen. Amen. And uh, I just so appreciated uh, uh, listening to the accents and everything across uh, uh, the auditorium today as we've, we've sung together, we've worshipped together, we've prayed together, and uh, What a blessing from a kid, formerly skinny kid from South Carolina to have the opportunity to travel around the world and experience so many things across Central Africa, across Asia, and across Europe. What a blessing it's been. So today, this is my promise to us. We're going to share scripture. I'm going to share a story, a story that's probably made the biggest impact in my life in the last 10 years. We're going to make a challenge out of that story We're going to pray and we're going to go to lunch, amen, amen, in that order. Have your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22 this morning and when we get done reading this portion of scripture, everybody's going to crack crack their head to one side and go, what is he speaking on, on July 4th and I trust it'll be a blessing to you. So in Genesis chapter 22, we find the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham's been called to take his son and to sacrifice him. The son that was promised, the son that was going to have a great nation come from him. And God has asked him to give up everything at this portion of time. And let's just read that together. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for burnt offerings. And he rose and went to the place where God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young man, Stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and I will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look at the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place where God had told him, and Abraham built an an altar there and placed the wood on an offering, and and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the offering, on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, 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 So he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have withheld your, not withheld your son, your only son from me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we can come to your word. I ask that I wouldn't do anything that would bring embarrassment upon you. I ask that I would expound your word accurately I ask that there are challenges that come from this would be from your Holy Spirit working in our lives today. May we leave here today changed people because we have been in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. At the height of COVID, I was in the last couple of months of my time at McDill Air Force Base. And I had to make a decision I had to make a decision on whether or not to retire from the Air Force. And so these decisions were starting to weigh heavy on me, and I got called because, if you remember, traffic was down to nothing. It was hard. You'd go out to the airport. Nobody was there. Just a strange time. But we had to have a promotion board in the Chaplain Corps in the Air Force. And so I got on my uniform, I got on a plane, and I had to fly to San Antonio to the Air Force Personnel Center. And at the Air Force Personnel Center, we were going to hold a special board to promote some people. And so I got on a plane out of Tampa. I flew southwest. I had to connect in Houston. And I got off the plane in Houston, and I went to the gate to wait for my plane to San Antonio. And as I got to the the gate, there was a little bit of commotion going on. Something was a little tense. I wasn't quite sure what was going on, and then I noticed sitting there, because those of you who fly Southwest know, you have pre-borders. Then you line up into A's and the B's and the C's and and how it goes. And over here in the pre-board section in a wheelchair was a beautiful, beautiful African-American lady. And she was inconsolable. She was just sobbing. She was just crying. And and it didn't seem like anybody could could console her at that time. She was just brokenhearted. And it came time to get on the plane. And at that time, I kind of said, oh, I'm just going to sneak on real quick because this is really making me uncomfortable. This is kind of awkward. I'm not sure I really feel comfortable what's going on right here. Um, I'm going to leave and I'm going to sneak onto the plane. So I started to the board the plane first, and uh, the flight attendants, the, they, the, the personnel wheeled Miss Jordan up the ramp to put her onto the plane. And I could hear her crying as she got on the plane. And I thought to myself, I said, self, this is awkward. I'm feeling kind of uh, uncomfortable here. Since I'm six foot eight, I think I'll move back to the exit row where it's nice and quiet and it's safe. And as I started to walk down the hall, the aisle of the plane, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And, and I'm not a person who necessarily can say I've ever heard the Holy speak, Spirit speak audibly to me, but he hit me upside the head with a holy two by four. And he said, uh, I think I only see one chaplain on this plane, I think I only see one person with a cross on his uniform. I think I only see one person here who knows how to comfort people. And uh, what are you doing, you big dummy? And so I reluctantly turned around into the aisle. And the flight attendants were helping Miss Jordan sit in the front row there by the window. And I looked at the flight attendants as I came back down the aisle and I kind of pointed to my cross And he said, I'm a chaplain. I'll sit next to this young lady. And so I sat down on the aisle seat, and there was a spare seat between us. And I started to get my iPad out, put my headphones on, do whatever I could do to to stop the crying. Because it was really uncomfortable, and I was not comfortable. And I hooked on to the Internet, watch a movie, whatever was going on. And the weather had been kind of rough that day. And so we kind of sat at the end of the runway for a while and waited for the weather to clear. And it came time for us to take off. And I could feel the engine start to power up. And about that time, this sweet hand came across the seat between us. And she looked at me and she goes, Can I hold your hand? Understand, this is the middle of COVID. Nobody's touching anybody. No one's breathing on anybody. And she goes, can I hold your hand? I'm afraid. And I said, of course. And so I held her hand, and we took off into the sky, and we started bouncing through the clouds and a little rough and And every time we hit a big bump, my fingers turned a little bluer, (laughs) and we took off. Not a long flight down to San Antonio, maybe an hour, 45 minutes. And after a couple minutes, I looked over to this wonderful lady, and I said, what's your name? She goes, my name is Ellen Jordan. And by the way, Miss Ellen's watching today from Texas. So, everybody say hello to Miss Ellen. I texted her before church and I said I was going to tell, her, tell them our story today. Miss Ellen looked at me with tears streaming down her face. And she said, My husband died last night. And I have to go to San Antonio to identify his body. Right about that time, I'm thinking I'm feeling kind of like a schmuck, huh? Because here was a lady that I was uh, kind of dismissing because, because she was crying, making other people uncomfortable, but she was going through the greatest heartbreak in her life, having to go to San Antonio to identify the body of the love of her life. And here I am now, flying in the sky with Miss Beautiful Ellen Jordan. And we talked back and forth for a while. And I explained that I was a pastor. And would she mind if I read some scripture? So I read some scripture and we talked back and forth about the hope that we have in Christ. And I asked, do you have a faith tradition? Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. And I tried to comfort her as best as I could comfort her. And as we started to descend into San Antonio... She reached across the chair one more time, and she took my hand, and she said, these words which have permeated my life ever since. She said, thank you for being my ram in the thicket. Think about that for a moment. Here's a lady who was going through the most dark hour of her life. She reached across and she said, thank you for being that ram in the thicket. And I had to think about that for a little bit. I had to ponder what that meant for a little bit. What did it mean to be Miss Ellen Jordan's ram in the thicket? And we said goodbye at the airport. And I took off to Lackland Air Force Base, I mean to Randolph Air Force Base, the home of the personnel center. And I checked in the billeting that night. But what Mrs. Jordan didn't know, what Mrs. Jordan didn't understand was that George had to make the toughest decision of his military career that day. You see, by that night, I had to go online to the personnel center And I had to decide whether to hit that button that says retire or to not retire. I had to go on the the website and I had to decide whether or not I had the courage to break Uncle Sugar's chain on you. You know who Uncle Sugar is? Uncle Sugar is that government paycheck that comes on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I want you to understand, people say, you're a colonel. I'm only a colonel on payday. I'm a chaplain all the other times. I like to be a colonel on the 1st and the 15th of the month. I like to be a colonel when it comes time to get saluted. But other than that, I like being a chaplain. I like knowing that when I have my knee surgery and a bill comes from our $130,000 for the new bionic knee they put in there, that I never saw a bill for it. There was something good, there was something safe about being an Air Force officer. But I was up against the wall, and I had to make a decision whether or not to get out or possibly get promoted and go off to the Pentagon for four or five or six more years. And it was at that moment as I was sitting in front of that computer and I'm about ready to talk to my wife that that same voice who spoke to me in the hallway that says, who's the only chaplain on this plane, spoke to me again and said, don't you think that if I can provide you, formerly skinny kid from South Carolina, to be a ram in the thicket for Miss Ellen Jordan, don't you think... I can take care of your family. Don't you think I can pay your bills? Don't you think I can get you medical insurance? Don't you think I can take care of whatever you need to take care of your parents and your, anybody else in your life? Don't you think I have a ram in the thicket for you? You see, what Miss Jordan didn't understand and didn't even know, Ellen Jordan was my ram in the thicket. On that day, when I had to make one of the most difficult decisions in my life, he sent a beautiful lady my way, of which I thought I was being all that too. But she was so much more to me. So much more to me. I pondered that a lot through the years. And the longer I thought about that story... I've thought about that ram. And the more I think about the ram, the more I get all sorts of things flooded into my heart because what does the ram do? You see, the ram was God's provision to Abraham. The ram was God's gift to Abraham to answer the promise that he had made so long ago that his son Isaac would be the start of a great nation. Abraham, if I can give you a ram in the thicket out here in the middle of nowhere, don't you think I can build you a great nation? George, if I can pair you up with Ellen Jordan in Houston Airport, don't you think I can provide a ram for you? What does the ram do? There's a lot of things we get from the ram. We get nourishment from the ram. We get food from the ram. And I just want to, on this Fourth of July weekend, if you just let me extrapolate a little bit. If you don't get anything else today, this is the challenge for us in our brief time that we have left. My challenge today is you be a ram. You be God's provision for someone today. You be God's provision for someone in your neighborhood today. You be God's provision and answer to prayer today. So if the ram can be provided to provide nourishment, man, I hope Mission Hill Church becomes a community of faith people that look into our neighborhood that is starving They have people struggling with their daily needs for just the intake of food. Find that person who needs to be fed and you provide nourishment to them. The ram provides protection. They take the wool of the ram and they shear it off and that wool is so fine that it provides shelter. It provides comfort against the weather and the elements. You be someone in this community That is not afraid to provide what? Shelter and clothing. You be God's provision for those in our world. The ram has horns, and they take the horns and they blow the trumpet. And it is a call to prayer. It is a call for battle. It is a call for those things that we face in life. And the ram is the call. You be the chauffeur. You be the ram's horns in this day, in this generation that is not afraid to sound forth the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the ram had its blood shed It had his blood shed for the payment of sin. If we are God's provision, if we are God's rams, we need to be sharing the gospel message of the shed blood of Jesus Christ wherever we go in this world. We need to do so unafraid, unabashedly unabashedly courageous to do that. One of the most familiar verses in the Bible, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love towards us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you, but for years I memorized and been saying that verse wrong. For years I've been saying, but God demonstrated his love towards us. That's not what the verse says and that's not the tense of the verse. It says God demonstrates his love and that tense is he's doing it now, he did it then, he's gonna continue to demonstrate his love towards us. You know, don't tell anybody, but my Master of Divinity degree is in marriage and family therapy. I'm a terrible marriage and family therapist. (laughs) Because a good marriage and family therapist will help people come to self-realization that I'm doing this wrong and doing that wrong. And that's not where I'm at. My patient gets short and says, you're just a jerk. Quit being a jerk. And that's just not good therapy. But I learned a definition many years ago when I was training. And it's the definition of love. And it says, love is the self-sacrificing desire to meet the needs of the people that I say that I love. Love is the self-sacrificing desire to meet the needs of the people that I say that I love. It's not about me. It's about them. And I'm going to do anything and everything that I can to meet those needs. I knew my mother loved me because she'd give me the last piece of coffee cake. She'd give me the last piece of meat. She'd give me the last piece of things because I was a growing boy and I had two hollow legs and she didn't want me to go hungry. Now I could, use, I could miss a few meals now. But back in those days, I was growing. But God demonstrates, always showing his love towards us that while we were still in that state of sin, he sent his son Jesus Christ to shed his blood on the cross, So if we are God's provision, if we are God's ram in the thicket that he's given to our community, to our world, and we say that we love our world, how are you selflessly demonstrating your love to the world today as a ram in the thicket? That's one of the things I love about this church and have loved about it since the first time I heard about it is that you're not afraid to cross street lines, going to different neighborhoods, work with people that do not look like you, smell like you, speak like you, or any of the above, because you demonstrate God's love for you. And so if you're gonna be a ram in the thicket today, if you're gonna be God's provision today, and you're gonna provide nourishment And you're going to provide shelter. And you're going to provide a battle cry. A protection of God's word. And you're going to share the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you going to do it unselfishly? I love the verse in Philippians 2.12 that says this. Therefore, my friends, as you have always done, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That verse was a little confusing for me as a young man growing up. What does it mean to work out my salvation with fear and trembling? Does that mean that I have to do works to get salvation? No. What the writer, what that verse says is that we have salvation. We've accepted Christ as our Savior. And what we're going to do is because we have that salvation in our heart, we're going to take it out of our heart, and we're going to put it on the outside and show people we're going to demonstrate God's love towards us. And we're going to be rams in the thicket for those people who are struggling in our neighborhood, in our community, and in our country. It's the 4th of July weekend. I could sit here today and I could go through the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Most of those men who signed the Declaration of Independence with all their faults and all their failures and all the things that we could argue with, when they put their name on that piece of paper and they decided that they were going to stand up against the King of England, and they declared the independence of this country, it was a death wish. Almost every single one of them lost everything that they had. Their homes were built. Their livestocks were taken away. They died on prison ships. They demonstrated their love for their country by giving everything. If we want to demonstrate our love as being rams in the thicket for our Savior, are we willing to be so self-sacrificing of our love for him that we're willing to give it up. Never in my lifetime did I ever think that I would meet a sweet lady on a plane who would have such an impact on my life, like Ellen Jordan. And those small words... Thank you for being my ram in the thicket. Have shaken me to my core. Because if you're a ram in the thicket, you understand what's about to happen to you. If you're a ram in the thicket, you know that Abraham's about to come over and get you. And you're about to give your all. God wants his rams in the thicket to be willing to give it all. To give all their nourishment, to give all their shelter, to give all the gospel message, to give all their, their calling and blowing of their of their message of their horn. To, to, to warn this nation this world that they are dying and going into a godless eternity eternity and i'm gonna tell you right now it is not a popular message it is not a popular message to call sin sin it is not a popular message to say you can't get to where you think you want to go other than accepting the shed blood of jesus christ as your savior you see becoming a ram in the thick it comes with a price It comes with the possible price of your life, of your reputation, of your business, of all those things that you hold dear. But yet, like Paul tells us, he challenges us to work out that unbelievable work that Christ has done in our life and to take it from the inside and put it on the outside in a practical way that we are touching and impacting lives for Jesus Christ, And on this 4th of July holiday, there is nothing more important than a citizenry of this country, especially a citizenry of brothers and sisters in Christ who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, to be willing to say, I'll sign up for that. Following World War II in Korea and Vietnam, 57% of men and women in the United States at some point or another would have done government service. 57% of our nation's people would have worn the cloth of this nation. They would have served this nation. They would have done something, whether it was civil service, Peace Corps, being in the military, working in veterans hospitals, someone would have served this country. I want you to understand something right now. That is no longer the case one half of 1% of American citizens will ever wear the uniform of this country. If we have between 330 and 340 million people in this country, one half of 1% will ever wear the uniform of this country. So they won't serve by wearing the country's uniform. How will we serve? And I would submit to you this is far more important. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And I know that He is with me, whatever men may say. And because of that, I'm not afraid to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not afraid to be a ram in the thicket. God's provision for this nation, God's provision for my family, God's provision for my church, God's provision for my community, God's provision. For this day and for this age. You say, well, Chaplain Ustra, I'm not you. Exactly. That's what's amazing about God's rams in the thicket. They're different. I thank the Lord that you're not six foot eight geek from South Carolina. Because this six foot eight geek from South Carolina has a limited sphere of influence that I can have in this world. But those of you who grew up in Wagandougou? You can't believe I said that right, can you? Anybody from Wagandougou here? Niamey, Drakar, Port au Prince, Seoul, and we can go on and on and on. You're a special ram in the thicket that I will never be. And your sphere of influence and the lives that you will touch are far different than the lives that I will ever touch. But that's the amazing part about God's rams is that he created differently with different gifts and different abilities and as his rams work out their salvation with fear and trembling, they're making a gospel impact on this world. My friends, it's a simple story about a dear sweet lady from North Texas, Ellen Jordan who met a tall kid from South Carolina on a plane, who I thought I ministered the world to, and I didn't do diddly. But she changed my life. Because she challenged me that if God can meet my need on a plane from Houston to San Antonio, God can meet my need whether I'm in Tampa, Florida, or Greenville, South Carolina, or Plano, Texas, or wherever he moves me to be. It's the 4th of July. My prayer for us is this, that we will leave this place today as God's provisions, God's rams who have been led out of the thicket to impact our country for the glory of the king. For the building of his kingdom. Amen. Can I just pray for you just a second? Everybody, bow your head for just a second. Our time's gone. Say, Chaplain Eustra, I've been a reluctant lamb, I've been a reluctant ram. I'm happy in my thicket, I don't want to come out from here. Because it may cost me something if I get out of this thicket. It may cost me my life. It may cost me my business. It may cost me my money. It may cost me some embarrassment because someone ridicules me for my testimony. But with God's help, Lord, make me proud to be a ram that was chosen for your honor and glory. May I make an impact in my community. May I make an impact on the gospel of Jesus Christ by sharing it. Lord, it doesn't matter whether or not I think it's successful. You've just told me to be faithful in sharing the gospel message. And then I leave that up to you and your Holy Spirit to work in lives. But I've been a reluctant ram. But today, with your help, Father, bring me out of my thicket to be God's provision whether it's sharing food, shelter, clothing, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me that I would have the courage to be so? And I do not embarrass anybody if you just slip your hands up. I wanna pray for us today. Anybody here today, help me to be a ram I should be, amen. All over, all over. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. May we have the courage. So, Father, thank you for each of these dozens and dozens and dozens of hands, these these souls who are rams, who want to be your provision to somebody. I ask that you would put in in their heart and their mind specifically what you would have them to do, whether they're to provide nourishment, whether they're to provide shelter, whether they're to blow the warning trumpets, whether they're to share the gospel of the and your your shed blood for the world. Lord, may we be faithful, faithful rams. Lord, I thank you for my friend Ellen, who in her grief encouraged me. met my need when I needed it most. You're a good God who provides what we need when we need it. You're the best. I love you. May we be the same for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand together.